Hi, everyone. This is Eric Hewitt, Co-Chief Investment Officer here at SSNC Alps Advisors. And you're listening to Inside the Rendezvous, where our research team dives into investment topics relevant to wealth managers and their clients. If you're interested in our written content, including back materials for this episode, head to alpsadvisors.com. Or if you're a Black Diamond user, our research is also available in the Rendezvous Model Marketplace. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Rob McClure, our Director of Research. Rob recently took a look at our core equity philosophy, which focuses on quality growth and quality value, and found investors are not currently paying a premium multiple when investing in quality equities other than the top eight performing stocks year to date. All right, Rob, thanks a lot for joining me today. Happy to be here, Eric, as always. Yeah, there you go. Um, so maybe it's it's worthwhile. We're, we're, we're going to talk about the uh, research that you did around cheap quality for equities, but maybe it's worthwhile to take a step back and, and revisit kind of one of our core equity philosophies around quality growth and quality value. So looking at the, um, you know, kind of French library going back all the way, um, I think that's, you know, 1970s-ish. Yeah. Um, it's got equity or uh, data on equity performance. Uh, one of the things that we find with looking at equity returns historically that if you uh, look at uh, at growth stocks and do a quality screen there, mm-hmm. um, but you're starting with, you know, average to slightly expensive growth stocks, but they deserve to be um, traded at, at a premium. And then in the quality, or I'm sorry, in the value universe, you take a look at, um, uh, you take out the least profitable companies um, and you do uh, factor in dividend yields. Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up with a quality growth and a quality value universe. You end up with about 200 basis points uh, of incremental performance mm-hmm. over the broad-based market with a little less volatility. Right. So exactly. that's, that's where we get down to our, our core equity philosophy. But you've taken that to a, uh, a, a another level in the work that you've done and dug a little bit deeper there. So talk to me a little bit about why you were interested in the subject of cheap quality mm-hmm. and and what piqued your interest there. I think it's it's a couple of things. Number one, obviously the work that the team has done around quality and, and overlaying that over a portfolio and the, the benefits to the risk-adjusted return profiles. Um, I've always been interested in quality companies. Um, and trying to understand quality. Maybe we can dig into that a little bit later in terms of, you know, a lot of people different, uh, define quality a little bit differently. And then um, the other thing that piqued my interest was something that's all over the news right now, which is the concentration that's happened. Yeah, the Magnificent the, Seven. Yeah, the Magnificent Seven in the uh, S&P 500 driving the lion's share of the returns mm-hmm. for the large-cap U.S. equity indexes. And so I, I just wanted to dig into it and, and break it down a little bit and then try to understand what a potential opportunity would look like. So, you know, breaking it down by sector over the first six months of the year, three sectors were up 20 plus percent mm-hmm. with the rest of the sectors falling by the wayside. So comm services, technology, um, and, uh, 
No, it's a super discretionary. Com services. Yeah, Amazon. Amazon is in yeah. discretionary. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and tech drove it. Um, and it was those seven stocks. And, uh, but within the rest of the sectors, there was very little, if not negative performance, uh, from the equities in those sectors. So I decided to take a look and, and just riffing off of the, the work that we had done on quality, mm-hmm. uh, just to, to try to understand if we look away from those sectors, in fact, a, a, a wise client of mine when I was on the sell side used to ask me to tell him what nobody's asking me. Mm-hmm. So nobody's asking me about healthcare. Nobody's asking me about energy, materials, mm-hmm. financials. So let's take a broader look at what's not getting the attention in the market and see if there's any opportunities there. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And, and you know, so quality, it, you know, it's not like class where you you know when you see it. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a different definition of, of quality. Um, what definition of quality did you use for your analysis? So I'm really just focusing on a company's ability to generate a return on invested capital mm-hmm. that is both above average and uh, relatively stable over time. So the volatility in those returns on capital are relatively low. Mm-hmm. So that suggests to me that a company has – you know, some sort of product or service that exhibits some sort of a mode around the business. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the way I think about quality is profitability relative to the rest of the market and then the ability to continue to do that year in and year out. Yep. No, that makes total sense. And then, you know, so we've had the Magnificent Seven or the top uh, eight stocks, which are uh, plus, I think Berkshire Hathaway has had a pretty good year this year. Um Everything else. So when you when you take a look at everything else outside of that, you know, narrow leadership group within the market, what does it look like from a, from a valuation standpoint? So the interesting thing when I was looking at it is normally when in my career companies that are higher quality tend to trade at higher multiples because they have those attractive characteristics and that's what a lot of investors are looking for. But when I broke down the data to you know. Stripping out the, the the Magnificent Seven, which by by the way are very high quality companies for, for sure. the most part, for sure, right? Um, but there are a few hundred others uh, that would fit that bill as well that have really haven't performed uh, the way that the those few stocks have. So when I looked at the data, and this is going back um, several weeks, but I don't think much has changed since then. The um, the average multiple, and I've used price to earnings, I looked at um, EBD, but, uh, mm-hmm. were relatively similar across both um, the, uh, the best performing and the highest, the highest quality names. So you're not necessarily paying a premium for, uh, for that quality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that was the most interesting thing I took away from, from your writing was that you know, you can access the highest quality part of the market without paying some sort of premium. Yeah, you don't generally pay a premium to the rest of the market. It says nothing about the Magnificent Seven, Magnificent Eight stocks that right. worked really, really well here to date. Yeah. However, if you want a broad exposure to uh, equities, and, and I think it ties in nicely with our, our long-term views about quality growth, quality value. You can exactly. access that part of the market without paying a premium. Exactly. And I think that's the, and that, that just, you know, lends itself to that core philosophy, right? Yep. Um, how do you, over time, generate attractive risk-adjusted returns? It's 
paying attention to the quality of both the value and the growth sides of the equation. Cool. Thanks for your time today, Rob. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and share. We appreciate your time and value your feedback, which, by the way, you can send using the contact us link at alpsadvisors.com.